Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, I'm here with Kenneth Earl, author and retired naval cryptologist and writer of The Illegitimate Sun, S-U-N. I'm so excited to have you here, Kenneth. Welcome. Thank you, Lindsay. It's just my honor to be here today, and thank you for the invitation, and I look forward to our conversation. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. So we have so much to cover. I'm so excited to just, I don't know, just kind of learn from your mind and what you've seen or experienced. So could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. Yes, I am Kenneth Earl. Um, I am a retired naval cryptologist. I spent 21 years in the United States Navy. Mm-hmm. Also, I spent a majority of that time in the Navy and outside of the Navy in the intelligence community, where I did cryptologic and cybersecurity related work. Uh, the important thing, um, over the COVID-19, I had a chance to sit down and, and write a book and then examine my life. And uh, there was a quote by uh, Socrates that says, uh, an unexamined life is not worth living. And I used that as a, as a prelude to, to write this book during that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the most part, it afforded me an opportunity to examine every aspect of my life. And I'm hopeful in this conversation that I'll be able to share uh, parts of that life. And also those, those 10 codes that I cracked as a cryptologist, uh, what we call life codes, and uh, that I think that help. Uh, you know, put me in the position that I am today. Wow. I'm so excited. So just for those that have no idea about the military or anything, what is a cryptologist? Thank you. That's a great question. Um, the a cryptologist is the study of, of cryptograms and cryptology. Um, when we think about messaging, you know, when we think about message that we send, you, you see writing. So if you write a letter, say you wrote me a letter and, hey, how are you today? Cryptology would be encryption and how we encrypt that. So if you want to send messages that are coded that no one can steal, the ability to be able to encrypt those codes so no one can read what that might mean. And on the back end of that, we decrypt those things. So my job as a cryptologist in the Navy was twofold. Number one, when we had communications that was highly sensitive that needed to be protected, we would encrypt those particular messages. And then on the back end, you know, sometimes when we have adversaries or we're trying to receive their information, we try to decrypt those codes. Mm -hmm. So um, to that extent, uh, that's a simple way of putting it, but it's just a matter of encrypting and decrypting codes uh, for the purpose of protecting the communications or classified communications. And what I did as a cryptologist, that's what I did, um, you know, throughout my naval career. Oh, wow. That sounds so interesting. Yes, very much so. Oh, man. And I know it takes a, a certain type of personality or mind to be attracted to that. And I feel yeah. like I would be that type of person too. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, and it is. And, and what's interesting about that, and it's interesting you, you stated that, when I initially went in the Navy, I was 17 years old, 
And uh, I started off and I was going to be what we call a cryptologic technician uh, interpreter. And mm -hmm. I was going to study Russian. And uh, mm -hmm. when I went to, when I arrived at the Defense Language Institute, which is outlined in the book, that's in Monterey, California, uh, they decided that it was important not to be a Russian language, but to uh, focus on Korean, because at that time, our nation was uh, dealing with North Korea, and we needed more, we, we needed more Korean linguists. So mm -hmm. I studied to be a Korean linguist initially. And uh, Throughout that time, I ended up being reclassified as a cryptologic technician communications. And that's where the encoding and decoding of, of, of messages came into play. That's outlined very well, but it's interesting that you do have to have a certain, you know, aptitude and experience for language and, and technology and things of that nature. So, um, and I did qualify for those. And, uh, and so here we are. So, wow. Oh, that's so cool. So how many languages did you have to learn over time? Well, well, the, the, the at the Language Institute, they, they teach every language that's global. Um, for mm. myself, I had a little Spanish in high school, so I could speak a little Spanish. Uh, Korean was uh, the initial language. But what happened as I, when I got reclassified, mm -hmm. Lindsay, I didn't have to do the language. However, uh, throughout my career, I worked with a number of linguists that mm. did everything from Russian ling languages to Korean to Spanish to Arabic. So because of the work that we do and uh, the work that we did and even do still, um, it requires those skills. So though I didn't have to interpret the language, I was making sure that we would uh, encrypt and make sure those communications that we were dealing with were being protected. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm close to secret society right now. It is. And in truth, so for transparency, the book is called Illegitimate Son, How a Naval Cryptologist Cracked the Code on Life Lessons, but it says a spy memoir. So mm -hmm. my career did take me into the dark side. Oh, and wow. uh, to that extent, you know, that's what was a little bit limited on my definition of cryptology and what we do. But obviously, I spent uh, a large portion of my career working in the intelligence community, uh, dealing with counterintelligence, cybersecurity, and other intelligence-related uh, activities. So mm -hmm. uh, to that extent, couldn't necessarily get into those details in the book, but uh, you're spot on to, to, to recognize that uh, having language and cryptology skills does have to do with our national security. Mm -hmm. And it is about keeping secrets and protecting secrets. Uh, of our adversaries and, and foreign nations and things of that nature. Mm. But I think today we want to talk about, you know, what I learned through that process. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, I look forward to sharing that too as well. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I want to know these life codes just as much as the, the rest of us, right? Yes. <laughs> so, yes. so, yes. Okay. All right. Great. So do you want to start with the first code? Yeah, let's. I'll start with one, and then I'll give a little background and and how it relates to all of this. Okay. Um, so, um, just to set the stage for these codes, right? I wrote mm -hmm. this book to honor my mother, and I and I, there's a quote in the book that said, "I wrote this book to give back what was given to me," and that's the legacy of my mother's character. Mm -hmm. My mother only had a general education diploma, and she raised you know, four children on her, long, on her own, and I was the fourth of those four children. Mm -hmm. And she was brought up in the Depression and the, what we call the Jim Crow era. Mm -hmm. 
in the in the in the late thirties, and I was born in nineteen sixty three, and um, to that extent, I learned a whole lot from her, and that was my first initial uh, set of uh, lessons that I learned, and a lot of that was inspired by her. So mm-hmm. again, I wrote that book to honor her and also my brother that uh, passed away at an early age. So I thought it would be important to kind of outline some of those uh, lessons that I learned from her and throughout my career. And one that I'll start off with is character and integrity is worth something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, throughout my career, I've had a lot of, I've traveled the world, I did a lot of things, but that was something I learned early on from my mother. She was a very, very highly, uh, high integrity person. And she taught me that. She taught me to always, you know, you know, be honest, tell the truth, um, you know, treat people and treat others as you want to be treated. And that was one thing that I learned at a very early age and that has taken me through life. So that was one of the codes, you know, and that is to honor its character and integrity is worth something. And listen, when we think about today's society and this world of myths and disinformation and what we see, uh, maybe on the internet and what we might see on the news, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there mm-hmm. and we don't always know, you know, right from wrong in some cases, uh, the information that we hear. So that's what I mean by that character and integrity is worth something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, we need to bring it back. <laughs> yes, we <laughs> We're kind of missing that. Missing a lot of values. I Missing say. a lot of values. Yeah, a lot missed, of values. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I and I think that's important. And and I want to get back to that. You know, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And I think fundamentally that that goes a long way. Particularly, we can be misguided when we don't always have the truth in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, um, I wrote here: uh, mistakes and failures should be options for growth. Oftentimes in our lives, we hear, you know. Failure is no, you know, no option, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we have those lessons and we make those mistakes and we get down on ourselves and we don't always have the the courage or the will or even the knowledge to lift ourselves up because we fail and, or someone put thoughts in your head that, you know, failing is, is somehow bad. So when I do my lessons and the lessons that I learned throughout the book, uh, I, my journey, I would say. Um, I discovered that mistakes and failures should be options because some of the best lessons and mistakes that I surely made Mm -hmm. and mistakes that we all would make, those were the best teachers. So Mm -hmm. that's what it is. It's just to reiterate the people that you can make those mistakes as long as they're not repeated. But those are the things that we get our biggest lessons or we have our best best lessons learned. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what, you know, sometimes we can get hard on ourselves to make mistakes, but I just think it's learning, right? Like our, our brain, our mind is learning something new. So it's not going to do everything effortlessly because it hasn't learned all of the, you know, ins and outs of everything just yet. But in that you have to use so much of your conscious mind of your brain power to do what you're doing. So you're learning in that process. So yeah. Yeah, we can't be afraid to make mistakes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Also, too, uh, another quote was, unhappiness and frustration are unproductive. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes when we are frustrated and, and what I found throughout my own journey that, you know, being in a frustrated mind and being unhappy is just not a productive feeling, right? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, you know, you know, I think some some people sometimes they walk around looking to be upset or walking around with maybe a chip on their shoulder and someone to, you know, to anger them. And what I realized, you know, just from maybe my own frustrations, whether it's something work related or something very personal you know, just having those moments of frustration that last days and hours, it's just not productive. Mm. And being unhappy is unproductive too. And I do think that being happy, people always striving to be happy. And you know, what I discovered is that happiness is a skill and Mm. being in unhappiness and frustration are unproductive. Cause I saw Mm. that uh, there's a lot of time wasted in that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I just made a new rule. Now, of course, this rule is applied in different areas of my life, Mm -hmm. but I made this new rule that if something is taking more than a minute of my time of frustration, Mm -hmm. get rid of it. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to spend it. I'm not going to spend more than a minute or two continuing to do what I'm doing in the same way that I'm doing it. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean like give up, but it means like stop doing it that way, find a different way to do it or adjust or shift or try a new technique or, you know, maybe it's just not, you can't, you can't fix it. You can't, you know, it needs to be thrown away, whatever. So that's something that I deal with is frustration sometimes because I'm like, oh, why can't it just get together? But I have to take a moment to say, okay, I'm spending way too much time doing the same thing over and over again, and it's obviously not working. It's time to do something else. <laughs> wow. You know, I, I, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, and I want to ask you, when did you figure that out? Because I had to go through a whole journey in life to <laughs> get to that point. And I'm serious. I mean, I just recently cracked that code because you know, I spent a lot of unproductive time being upset. So when did you figure that out for yourself? About a month ago. <laughs> okay, good. So I don't feel that bad. <laughs> Well, I don't feel that bad because I'm sitting here thinking it's, it's taking on me a, a whole generation, almost a lifetime to figure that out because now I don't spend my time in frustration. I mean, right. Just like you said, you give yourself that time. And, you know, I had a lot of peace since I discovered that, hey, that's not a productive feeling. So, you know, but, uh, you know, who knows? And I guess I guess, you know, bringing it to fruition in life is, is, is just is good. So being unhappy and frustrated are unproductive. Mm-hmm. So another one here that I wrote, I said, you can't buy peace of mind. You know, you can go to the mattress store, you know, and buy a nice mattress and a pillow, but that's not going to promise you a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you know, you can, you know, people, you know, you can't buy love. And what I've discovered when it comes to peace of mind and those things that we want the most in our lives, you can't just buy. Mm-hmm. You can't buy a good night's sleep. You can't buy love. You can't buy peace of mind is have to be something that has to be practiced. And, and, you know, I'll share something that's a little funny. My sister and I were having a conversation about peace of mind. And I said to her, why don't we open a store? And we just put this on the sign, peace of mind. And we put nothing in the store. I said, I bet we would have people lined up outside because everybody (laughs) wants that. Right. Right. You know, but you can't buy it. You can't go to you can't go to Amazon and take let me get peace of mind. Right. You can buy a book. You can attend podcasts. You can talk to counselors and people who have that. But at the end of the day, you know, and there's there's I mean, I think there's things out there clearly that can help us in life. 
-hmm. But I think it's need to be understood that it's not something you can buy. And that's something that I realized too. And I think it's something that you have to create for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's all internal. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> giving yourself that, you know what, and, and usually in order to get to a, in order to get to a place of peace, you oftentimes have to let something go. Yes. So it's not going to be adding anything on. It's going to be letting go of something, rather is um, uh, letting go of a certain belief, uh, letting go of a, a habit, letting go of something that is blocking your peace. Because you know we already have access to the peace. We have to unblock it. So mm. you can't add on to give it, you know, you can't yes. put peace on top of a mess. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and I tell you that parlays right into the next one where I said, mm -hmm. overcoming, defeating yourself is freedom. Mm. And I heard you mention about the inside, you know, that, that peace of mind comes from the inside. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I also, and this is, and what's so great about these codes, they are tied to each one of the chapters in the book. So where it was a story. So the book is a story and it says, you know, here's some of those takeaways, but, you know, overcoming and defeating ourselves, you know, is freedom. And, mm -hmm. and when we talk about peace of mind and being free, we have to overcome and shred some of those things that may been in our childhood and the things that we may learn learn along the way. And what I discovered is, you know, no one can beat you at being you. That's another one as well. So, mm -hmm. so no one can beat you at being you. So oftentimes we find ourselves, you know, striving to be the doctor, the lawyer, the Indian chief or the fireman or the teacher, you know, or the, you know, professional athlete. And, you know, and that's great to develop, to build those personas, but oftentimes coming from the inside out, we may have to overcome certain things. And I think it could be our mindsets and things like that. So I do believe in order to have true freedom in your life, to have true peace of mind, you have to overcome yourself sometimes and maybe, you know, read those things that may have, you know, held you back. I know for me, you know, that was important because I did have to spend a lot of time in reflection and saying, okay, well, you know, I'm, you know, this, this may have happened. This may have been the plight that I had, but this mm -hmm. might not be the mindset that I want to maintain. So I do think that it's one thing to go out and, and strive to be the professional that you want to be in life. But I think it's also time to be, you know, time need to be put aside to overcome and defeat yourself and defeating yourself, um, and no one can beat you at being you. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, you know, you can be the best version of Lindsay. I can be the best version of Kenneth. And I think when we strive towards those things, I think it's freedom. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You should be your only comparison because uh, you'll limit yourself when you yes. try to compare yourself to someone else that does. I mean, they didn't go through whatever you've gone through, your traumas, your fears, your um, challenges, like they don't have that same story and you don't have their same story. So it's, it's unproductive to try to like match that because it's, it's something totally different, you know, like, mm -hmm. so I love that you said that just focusing on yourself and, and how can you be better the next day, yes. not better, like you're trying to prove something to some, someone, but just how can your life be more fulfilling for you? For personally? you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and just to read that last part of it out, just given the point that you just made, 
you know, stated that no matter what we do in life, no one can beat you at being you. Mm -hmm. And if you are being the best version of who you are, that is success. Yes. And, you know, and to uncover the success, which is another code to uncover your success, you must look inside and think. So, I mean, that success comes from the inside, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I really do believe that because, you know, it's, we have these, you know, these external influencers, good, better, and different mentors, family members, and different things and great examples that we have in life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, do you want to grow up and be that teacher? Is that something that your family did? You know, you know, figuring out who you are, becoming the best version of what that is, that is success. And I can mm -hmm. tell you, it took me a journey in this book and then examining my life to really figure that out. And I can honestly say that, you know, success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. And um, that was not my quote that I own, but I can tell you something. That's how I see success. The progressive realization of a worthy ideal. And if your ideal is to be the teacher, to be the counselor, to be the military person, to be the doctor or the lawyer, and if that's your ideal and that's what you want to be, then that's what you should pursue. And that's what success is. It's not based upon you know, some other standard that someone else set for yourself. Mm -hmm. But it's your own progressive realization of what that might be. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think so many people um, can be challenged with that because they've had so many people in telling them who they are, who they should yes. be, whether it's from the parents or society or whatever. We're just yeah. kind of being fed who we're supposed to be and we don't take the time to learn who we really are. You yes. know, everyone's different, but some people really don't know, you know, it's like, if you ask who you are, who are you without saying, you know, a label, it can get difficult. If you, yeah. it's like, ah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny you should say that because you, you made me think of this, um, you know, and I'll give the example of a lawyer or an attorney, right? And, you know, someone grows up and they say they want to be an attorney and they go, they go to law school, they uh, pass the bar, they practice in law. And then they say something happens and they lose their license and all their lives, all their professional life, they've been called lawyer or counselor or mm -hmm. esquire. And then all of a sudden you can't practice that. Now, now what are you? You know, same thing, say well, for a doctor or anyone else who may, you know, and it's fair to, you know, to live up to that image, you know, and mm -hmm. what happens when that title goes away? Mm -hmm. If you're, you're, you're NFL, you know, football player, that's really, really great. What happens when you retire or you, you have that injury? So who are you now? Mm -hmm. And I really do think it's very, very important to, to, to know who you are, because at the end of the day, it won't be, you know, at the end of our own day, you know, it won't be those titles. I mean, people will remember that. Hey, that was my doctor that helped me. That was my school teacher. And that's great. But, you know, I think it's even better when you can be able to find out, you know, is that your, is that living towards your purpose? Is that who you really are? So I really do think it's important to really understand who you are and uh, not what you are. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah. when I meet new people now, Lindsay, mm -hmm. I don't ask now, hey, so what do you do? You know, you know, 
it's becoming commonplace for say, well, who are you? I mean, that sounds a little invasive. That's a nice way to put that. But I think that's a whole, I think that's a better question because if I say, you know, Lindsay, who are you? You know, that's a little bit different than saying, well, well, you know, what do you do? And I think that's a common refrain that we all use when we meet new people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We, We often say that because I guess that's the way people relate in like a working, like working identities. Like, oh, well, what do you do? That's how they kind of right. figure out how to relate to you. But it doesn't really tell you much of who someone is if yes. that's not in alignment with who they really are. You know exactly. And mm-hmm. I am. Um, and just to carry on, I have two more. But just to just to oh, carry yeah. on to that point that you just made, uh, one of my colleagues she recently shared with me. Um, we were having a conversation. Um, it was a political matter, but. And she said something to me about imposter syndrome. Mm. And they said that this person may be suffering from imposter syndrome. And I was like, truly, I, I'd never heard of that, right? And I actually look at it, and it's a thing, right? I mean, maybe you've heard of it, but I was like, oh, it is something. And what it is, is essentially what you just said. You know, someone may be that representative of something. It can be the mayor of a city or president of a union or, or whatever the occupation may be. We see that persona, we see that person, but they may not, you know, on the inside, they may not be that. So they have these, you know, imposter-like, you know, feelings about that. And they could go in a whole variety of things. It may not necessarily be tied to a profession, but generally speaking, that was my understanding of what we were talking about. And I really think it's important to be the best version of yourself. And, And I can tell you right now, the reason why... You know, I think I was motivated to do this because my my mother was a very unique person. And I think I'm a manifestation of that. And I think the more I kind of embrace, you know, the person that I am, it seemed the happier I become and the closer I get to what I feel my purpose is and, mm-hmm. and how I'm more productive and I spend less time and frustration in my life. Now, obviously, my work sometimes is stressful and, and I think we have those daily frustrations or you get stuck in traffic and things like that. But I try not to spend a lot of time in that. But I, what I, what I, what's what I'm really getting at, the closer I get to myself, the closer I get to know myself, the less burden it is on life for me. You know what I mean? It's like life is easier for me now. Mm-hmm. And um, the last two, um, I would say um, fear. One was talking about fear. And not to just controversial, but there's a chapter on fear. And there's a quote, and I'm just going to just turn to it here just real quick um, from chapter five. And it was from Randolph, Randolph Waldorf Emerson. And he has a quote that says, he who is not every day conquering some fear has not learned the secret of life. And what I discovered, one of the lessons I'll put, I wrote, I wrote here, um, fear provides clarity and heightens our awareness. So, you know, obviously when those things that we see in life that we fear, you know, um, sometimes you have to run to it. And I'm not talking about putting our lives in danger and say, if you, if you fear snakes, you know, you know, go grab one or anything. But I do think that we have to address that. We can't run away from those fears. And those things that we tend to run from, we never tend to overcome. And I think in his quote, what he's saying is everyday conquering fear. We have to conquer those things, you know, whether it's speaking, I mean, you know, some people say, oh, I don't like, I'm not comfortable speaking on stage or speaking to millions of people. Say like with your podcast, if you're 
If you're nervous about that or you fear that, you may have to run after it and do it. It's oftentimes those things that we fear are those things that hold us back from, you know, just really, you know, becoming who we are. So mm-hmm. I think that's what he was saying. And I think from my own experience that I've learned that though fear could be something that heightens our clarity about, you know, aspects of our lives and it heightens our awareness. Obviously, if there's danger, we pick that up. But also if we are fearing something professional or personal, sometimes we have to run to those things. And then we find on the other side of it that, God, you know what? It was just an obstacle that I prevented in my own mind from from achieving what I wanted to achieve. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Absolutely. We can really get stuck in our heads sometimes when we overthink stuff. Yes. So what's helpful for me is because I know myself, I know that I can overthink stuff. As soon as I have an idea about something, I must act on it right away because that's what keeps me accountable. So if I take a step, then I'm going to keep up with it because now I'm accountable. But if I take too long, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) If I take too long, I'll think about it and I'll start letting fear creep in. I'll start uh, finding reasons why I shouldn't do it and looking at other people. Oh, I'm not as good as that. I'm just not going to do it. So yes, definitely. You have to just, you know, go after it. And, and of course, you know, like not just to, just to scare yourself, but to, to see where that fear is blocking your success or expanding your life in a greater way, you know, we have to overcome that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, you know, I, I, you know, that in, in, what resonated with me when you were saying that is this, this how, you know, fear can be a barrier for us too, that, you know, we may not even get to become the best version of ourselves or, or get into our greatest fulfillment because we didn't want to walk on the other side of that door, or we didn't want to have that conversation that may be difficult or, or anything that would cause us not to you know, move forward. And, and, and I think if we're not conquering those fears and not addressing those fears, you know, I just think it very, it's very limiting. And I think that's what was going through my mind when I was hearing you speak about that. Mm-hmm. Cause here's the thing, you know, if it's a, if it's a fear that really blocks you from where you're trying to go, mm-hmm. eventually you're going to just overcome it, yeah. but you're going to be very agitated after you conquer the fear of what you, why did I take so long? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I look back, I'm like, Seriously, you did it anyway, but you wasted like five years mm. in this indecision phase of like, oh, I don't want to say anything, blah, blah, blah. And you could have been that much more ahead. Just do it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, there's an example you made me think of, but I'll just tell you that later. But okay. Uh, but the last and not least one, and I, I've been leading up to this one. Um, you know, because it really was what inspired the book. But the last lesson that I cracked in life was that a mother's wisdom is indisputable. Mm. And the reason why I said that, you know, regardless of the circumstances for which you're born and the impact what a mother has, it's just indisputable. Good, bad, or indifferent, right? And the reason why I say that is because at least for me, you know, just reflecting on my life and, um, and my mother, she passed away in 2007. So it's oh, been. I'm so uh, sorry. Thank you. It's uh, been, what, 15 years? It'll be 15 years this year. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you know, um, yeah, 
there's a process of grieving you go through. But I'm, right now, I'm just celebrating that. And this book allows me that opportunity to, again, like I said, I wrote this book to give back what was given to me. And that was a legacy of her character. And what I know is that the person I am today was influenced by her, you know, and I think that's for everyone because none of us would be here without a mother. Now, obviously, you need a father to make that happen, too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for me, because remember, the title of the book was Illegitimate Son, S-U-N, right? And and during those times, you know, raising four children in a segregated South, doing Jim Crow with only a general education diploma, even though she was highly intelligent, she relied on her, you know, she relied on God, her religion, her faith in God. She believed uh, integrity and wisdom and trustworthiness and and those things and those Mm -hmm. values that she instilled in me. And I can tell you fundamentally, I've done very well in my life to this point, mm-hmm. and that continues to evolve as well. But I think it was those basic things of, of, of character traits that has really made the difference. And that's what I mean by mother's wisdom is indisputable. And I could go in the other direction too, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so that was a lesson for me too, and it gave me a way of honoring her. And, um, and I'll just continue, and I'll say this point, I was really reflecting on my life. And they stated that every man should, you know, plant a tree, have a child, have a son, and write a book. Mm. I think I may have planted a tree in uh, in, in elementary school. <laughs> I didn't have children, uh-huh. but I said, I'm going to write a book. And, mm. and reflecting of that, I said, hey, well, what would I write about? And the only thing I could think of, Lindsay, was, you know, the fact that I thought to myself, like, I owe no one anything in this world. Mm. And I think I was putting it in the context of finances and different things. And then I got to think, yes, it is. There is someone that I owe. I owe the person who gave me this life. Mm. Mm. And that's why I decided to honor her, because I'm sitting here thinking, what will go on after I'm gone? Right? Mm. And it's just, that's where the legacy of her character. And I Mm. think because that was something that, uh, was instilled in me from her, I think that's something that I can pass on to my nieces, my nephews, my siblings, and other cousins and friends and family. Mm-hmm. I think we all need to understand that at the end of this life that we came in alone by ourselves, I think there's something, I think that legacy of our character has to count for something. Um, and I'll say something a little funny. I, I heard Denzel Washington say one time uh, doing a graduation speech. I don't know if you heard it, Lindsay, but he said that he's never seen a hearse. He's never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Mm. And I got to thinking like, wow, yeah, you can't take any of these things. That, we <laughs> that is that. true. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm thinking to myself, well, but a legacy is something that we can carry, right? Yeah. A legacy of, of having good character, uh, a legacy of trust. And, uh, and that's why I wrote the book. And I do think that all of us, um, you know, no one gets out of life alive, right? And I think we all should be reflective of who we are and work to try to be the very best versions of ourselves and know that no one can beat us at being who we are. Mm-hmm. Wow, so powerful. So powerful. I love that. And absolutely with the legacy, because that's kind of what keeps you alive. Honestly, mm-hmm. after you after you leave, after your body's not here anymore, your legacy will keep you still living so to mm-hmm. memorialize that and I think that's part of what keeps me going I don't intend to you know be gone tomorrow but yeah. you know you yeah. never know how life is you know what I mean 
So I think about things like that. I'm just, I don't know why I think like that, but it helps me to, you know, uh, put things into focus. Like say if I'm uh, struggling to, you know, declutter, I'm like, man, what if I was gone tomorrow? My whole family would have to go through all this mess. (laughs) Just throw it away. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know why I think like that. You know, and and I'm sorry to tell you this, but I kind of live a minimalist lifestyle. Okay. Because what you said, I mean, sometimes when I go to bed at night, it's like, I think I might need to clean up in case I may pass away. Oh, my God. So, I mean, but look here, I'm not turning the podcast dark, but I do want you to know that I do think that these are things that we have to think about. I mean, how many people we know, you know, leave this earth and they don't even have a will, right? I mean, think about that, right? Because it's not something that we want to think about. And this book is, though it's aspirational and an inspirational story, it's not a dark book. But Mm -hmm. when we think about our lives and, you know, we enter this world by ourselves, we're going to leave it by ourselves. Right. So what do we do in between? And I think it's important to really get to know who we are. And I'm serious. I mean, when I when I when I crack that code and realize, wow, that's just what it is, because, you know, I've done a lot of great things. I've seen the world. I've been a lot of places, did a lot of things, but not until you know, I took the time to be reflective, being very mindful, mm-hmm. you know, getting to know who I am. You know, that's when it when life started to make a turn for me. I was just mm-hmm. I'm not saying I was just passing through life, but like in the book, you'll see those ups and downs. You'll see those mistakes and failure. You see where character comes in. You see where I defeated and overcame myself. And it's just illustrated in these chapters. Right. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, it's just an evolution of growth. And I can tell you, once I did defeat myself and when I really understood that, you know, um, how powerful my own mind is and how we, you know, once I was able to do that and control my emotions, understanding the emotional intelligence, all of those things really made a difference in, you know, how I feel and my mm-hmm. station in life. So though we don't want to think about the end, you know, um, I'll just say this much. I won't have to write uh, an obituary or anything because all they got to do is pick up this book and they can just take some research from it, right? <laughs> You know, and there it is, right? And seriously, and then, yeah. and, and even after when I'm gone, my nieces, nephews, and other folks, they can always have the story of their grandmother, right? Mm-hmm. And the story of this guy, you know, Kenneth Thurl. Mm-hmm. So I think, Lindsay, you know, I don't, I'm not saying I don't like to think about those last days. That's not what this was. <laughs> but, you know, we, I think when we put it in perspective, you know, and then work our way back, mm-hmm. I think we'll find life a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of the main reason that, you know, drives my podcast. Like Mm. I record, I record a lot of things, you know, months in advance, you know, not thinking like, oh, I'll be gone in two months, but thinking Mm. like, you know, in the standpoint of, you know, what if something happens or I'm sick or I can't get to it or I'm stressed out or whatever. I'm just so tied to leaving something behind. Yes. That can always just be here forever. That that's what keeps me alive, you know. So, um, like if you just do your job and mm-hmm. you you know do a couple of things and you go on your way, I mean that's all anyone can say of you. At that point, it ends. You know, your story ends. So it does. Yeah. So it I, I like to leave something behind, whether it's a podcast, a book, something people can always come back to. Like I think about all of the amazing like musicians, artists, authors that we reflect on from like a hundred years ago, they're still like alive, even though they're long gone. And I'm like, oh no, I can't just leave without 
make it like make your life count, you know? Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, you just nailed it. And you know, you heard me quote Emerson, right? I mean, wow, yeah. it's been gone a long time, but we're still talking about that. And speaking of your your podcast, you know, I was really, you know, impressed by, you know, the the, the, the versions that I heard. And I'm like, wow, this is this is a beautiful thing. And I, I'm glad that, you know, you're doing this for folks. And I'll tell you the truth. Had I not wrote this book, I wouldn't have met you or had this podcast and yeah. then discovered it. And it does open up a whole, a whole, whole world, a whole world, literally, mm -hmm. literally, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm sitting there thinking, wow, wow, you know. And I think um, it's just really a beautiful thing. And and, and it, I'm just honored that I've had a chance to sit down and, and talk to you about illegitimate son and and those 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 lessons that I've learned and cracked. And it's just just been a great privilege, and and I'm just glad that we met, and I'm looking forward to our continual collaboration with each other, and um, you know, and I wish you well in what you're doing here. This is a beautiful thing, a beautiful podcast. It really is. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. That means so much to me. And yeah. uh, like when I got started, I mm -hmm. I never thought it was going to be like I didn't even think <laughs> I had no expectations. Right. Like I wasn't like, oh yeah, I want to get like ten thousand listens, and I, psh, I didn't know anything about podcasts. Right. I never listened to podcasts. I had no idea. I didn't know what I was doing, mm -hmm. and I had just always felt pulled to uplift people, to just try to help with the mind, and I, I was always into that. But I was start and stop, start and stop. So I started doing this and then I was, I sent it to my mom. Like she was the yeah. only person I was sending it to. And she was like, right. you better keep doing this. And I was like, yeah. okay. And I just kept doing it. It was just like an outlet for me. I still, I didn't think anything of it. And then I started getting listeners from different countries. I'm like, that's not Whoa. my mom. She's not in Greece. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, wow. And it just gave me a sense of purpose that I'd never yes. felt before. And it feeds me, but I'm feeding others and I'll get people that yes. email me, reach out to me. And they're like, thank you so much. Like it's helpful. I was like, what? Like it just, it's amazing gift that it doesn't cost, you know, I mean, okay, equipment or right, whatever, in time, but in time, yeah, in time. yeah, yeah. You know, but it's, it's not like, like you said, I can't go to a store and buy this. Yes, you know? you cannot. <laughs> yeah. This is just me giving it, you yeah. know, okay. I buy a microphone, right. Yes. But, but it's still from me. So I love it. I love it. And I know your book is going to just do the same thing. I know it already has done that for you, but it's going to just keep growing and expanding more for you. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. And thank you for saying this. And I got to make one other comment that you proved my point about a mother's wisdom. And uh, I, I told you a mother's wisdom is indisputable. And if your yeah. mother who, who's, who even continued and encouraged you to do this and continue to do this, and I can tell you, it's making a difference in lives. I mean, I already know how I feel about it, and I know the actions I'm going to take uh, when this podcast ends. And oh. uh, but I just wanted to say thank you, and 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 thank you for changing lives and others. Oh. And you know, and I, you know, I, I kind of heard the answer too, but now I want to do a little bit more studying. But I'm just glad whatever inspired you to do this. I'm glad <laughs> that you and many others are. You you have the voice for this. You have the calm, and and you just have the overall. Um, you know, something inside that's driving that, you know, and I think that's a beautiful thing. So thank you again for doing this. 
and um, you know, I just wish you, I wish you the best in, in future podcasts. And, oh, thank you so much, Kenneth. Well, I, yeah. I really appreciate this conversation. It was so much fun. How can, how can anyone find your book or, or get in touch yes. with you? Thank you so much. So they can go. It's on Amazon. Um, Illegitimate okay. Son, and as Lindsay has indicated, is S U N. And uh, also, there's a website www.illegitimate-son.com, and you can purchase it there. And um, it's a very good read, and it's a great story. Awesome! So excited.